years and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Thank you, Pete, for reading our passage today. What a privilege. Seriously, what a privilege to be able to read God's word in community. It's one of the gifts that he has given to us. Well, hello and welcome. Uh, We are in our second week of our series called In Chains. Why? Because Paul is writing this letter of Philippians while he's in chains. Not only is he in a cell or in a prison, but he is tied to a prison guard in this whole time. What a situation to be in, right? Anybody want to sign up? Yeah. Yeah. But this is the point. In light of where he is, he is full of joy because Christ is with him. And Christ is in him. Christ is using him. So based on last week's message, did any of you move your camp chair this week? Right? Remember the Winnebago? Right? I'm like, here's the camp chair. Conficking that camp or that Winnebago, right? Instead, we have the choice, just as Paul did, to move our chair and to look and see what God is doing. Because he's always doing something. He's always in the midst of where we're at. Where we're at. Really, the question becomes for us, whether we like this or not, did you choose growth or did you grumble? Did you choose growth or did you grumble? What are some of the key, uh, key uh, important aspects of growth? Uh, let's talk about a few other things first. So I'm going to pick on somebody. Kyle, could you come up? I'm gonna add, we're going to play a little conversation game, if you will. Kyle's going to come up and help, help us. If you don't know Kyle, Kyle is our uh, student ministry lead and... Uh, and he helps us with our students, and so we're going we're gonna to take this idea of growth and questions about growth. So uh, I think there is a picture of some plants and some other things that are going to come up. So if, if you were to grow a plant, what's important to the growth of the plant? Even if you don't know how to grow plants, you know this. I have killed every plant that I have ever tried to grow. So what did you do? <laughs> so maybe we can help you. <laughs> So maybe we can help you. So what should you do to help a plant grow? Lots of sunlight. uh, For some of them. The right amount of water. Yeah. Good soil. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, well, that's good. (laughs) That's that's some of it, right? Uh, Maybe a little fertilizer here and there. Yeah, Yeah, but that's great. All right, so this is... (laughs) Rebecca's not in here. No, she's not. (laughs) So you see the picture? Mm -hmm. In the center? Mm -hmm. What is that? That is a baby. So how do you help? (laughs) Just want to make sure. How do you help a baby grow? What would you say? Don't don't feed it anything. (laughs) Let him work at this. Uh, You care for it, nurture it, food. Okay, you give it food. Yeah. And what else? Uh, You love it. How do you love it? Practically. Lots of hugs. Hugs, okay. Yeah, touching. Yeah, physical contact. Yeah. Um, Oh, boy. Um, 
You might want to change his diaper occasionally. Change the diaper? That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, so he, if you have a baby, right, you want to make sure that baby's fed. And yes, you want to give it something to drink. You want to, you know, you want to, you want to uh, hold the child because there are a lot of studies about holding children and their development. What's that? Grandma will take care. Will take care. <laughs> okay. Grandma's voting. <laughs> I see that. So uh, this is... So you pick a habit or a practice, and we'll play the game. So what comes to mind? Something that you can grow at. Reading my Bible. I'm real bad at that. Oh, dude, how'd you end, end my message now? <laughs> How did you do that? I'm real okay, good. Okay, so, so, all right, let's, so let's ask them. Okay. How, how can Kyle read his Bible a little more consistently? Probably that's the case, right? Yeah. yeah. So what would you say? Set a, time. Set a time. Schedule a time. What else? Pick a place. Pick a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Make, <laughs> make a plan. So here's, here's a couple of pointers. We're not going to get to at the end. But I heard, uh, I heard this guy uh, talking about how he really got started. So his alarm clock was one of those old-fashioned alarm clocks, you know, the ones that used to set on, on your dresser and they had numbers on them, not mm-hmm. your phone, yep. right? One of those type of things. I mean, you could do it with your phone, and he would open his Bible at night, right? And the alarm would go off, and guess the first thing he would touch when he shut off his alarm? The Bible. Bible. And he knew it was time to get up. Great. All right, let's, let's take one more. Uh, you wanna, let, let's say you want to run a, f- a 5K, What's, the, what's, what's some of the things that you would do, Kyle, to get going on running a 5K? Um, Growth. Why'd you look at your feet? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were looking at your feet. I wasn't looking there. I was looking at your feet. Uh, Dude. You'd start by just running smaller distances. Make sure you condition, condition yourself so that you can run little bits and then slowly extend yeah. it further and further. Yeah. You could start with running or walking, right? Yeah. And, you, and you would want to, just like reading your Bible, you'd probably go, okay, I, I need to do this maybe on a daily basis mm-hmm. or in every other day. Right, we, we build in those habits that become a part of who we are, mm. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we have the opportunity to grow. We have the opportunity to, uh, as we're going to talk about, imitate the one in whom we want to grow after. Thank you, Kyle. If you were to stop watering the plant, what happens? It dies. If you stop feeding a child, what happens? Oh, okay, never mind. Right? You get my point. There's often one factor that we forget, though, in the process of growing. Do you know what that one factor is? What do you, what do you think allows a tree uh, to, to be strong? What do you think allows a tree to be strong? Roots. What grows the best kind of root systems? Soil. Guess what it is? It's wind. It's stress. It's circumstances beyond their control that then can create the environment that that tree then says, uh-oh, I better respond to the wind that is around me, and they grow deeper. 
Any, if we, if there's, uh, we tend to place as parents, we tend to not maybe intentionally and sometimes intentionally, and maybe we need to do more intentional stressing of our children for, so that they'll grow, but we create, the, the environments are created, circumstances are created, situations are created that allow us to grow. The same with plants. Plants are stressed. They may go through a drought or overwatering, and they tend to be, some of them tend to be resilient through that, right? If you've ever worked out at all, whether it's just going for a walk or lifting weights, there's, there's resistance involved in all of those situations. It's exactly where Paul finds himself, in a place of circumstances where there is stress or resistance. There is opposition to what and who he was as a person and how he wanted to express himself. But he knew that as he parked himself in Christ, in the midst of the stress that he was under, that God would grow him to the situation he's in. He would grow him to the situation he's in. But it took something that's even further than stress. What our passage talks about, and we'll get into it in more detail and quite quickly, I may say, is that there's a thought life that needs to go into our daily living for Christ. Look at the, uh, look at the diagram. Some of you are familiar with this diagram because we've gone through it in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality or Caesar Kalanincy stuff that we've had around here. Our beliefs inform our thoughts that then feed our emotions to our actions. So let's do a little side trail. Do you want to know what a child is? A child is one who lives in their emotions and doesn't, work from what they believe to their thoughts to their emotions. If somebody who reacts to only emotionally to things, they're living into a childlike living. So our beliefs inform us, right? Our thoughts, our beliefs inform our thoughts that then create our emotions around situations that create the action of our daily living. This is healthy. This is the way that we want to go. There are several books, as I've already said, that talk about this and go into detail. Pete Scazzario's book, Randy Frazee's book, Cesar Kalininski, and many other good counselors will walk you through this kind of processing. What do you believe informs your thoughts, then informs your emotions, and then your actions. We've used in the past an uh, image of an iceberg that your actions are only the top 10% of what's transpiring in, in, in life. That actually most of it lies below the line. And in fact, that's what Pete Scazzario used. So our actions and our mouths tell, the tr- tell us and the world around us the truths of our beliefs. Do you know that? That's what happens. Our, our, our mouths and our actions tell us the, our beliefs, not, not our thoughts, but our beliefs. It goes all the way back to that. So let's take a look at our passage in light of this truth and in light of uh, a very truth that Paul is attempting to get across in this letter to the Philippians and us today in our current cultural moment. He wants us to remember Jesus's gift. Remember Jesus's gift. This is Paul's point to us. He says, what is that gift? Uh, let's, let's just take Jesus's word and then we'll go back to Paul's words. Jesus says this, the thief comes 
only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. What has Jesus come to do? He says, I have come that they may have, have life to the full. May have life to the full. Excuse me. Uh, Philippians 2, though, says in Paul's words, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ connected to Christ, living with Christ, being a disciple of Christ, if any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. He is reminding the Philippians and he is attempting to remind us this morning of the gift that Jesus has given to us if we are followers of his. This is ours. Prior to this verse, Prior to this verse in chapter 1, if you were to read it, he reminds the Philippians that they will follow in the same footsteps in the same or similar footsteps as Jesus. That there will be suffering. There will be stress. There will be circumstances out of your control as you live in the kingdom and for him. That the being in and with Jesus is far of a greater reward than being without him. He's, he's attempting to pour. It's a, it's a life that is truly blessed. Uh, check out these prompters from Paul. We'll take them one by one and unpack them from Paul about the benefit package being connected to the creator, the maker, your savior, and your Messiah. Paul's prompter of Jesus' gift is this, your belonging. Your belonging. Have you ever been, a, been uh, in a situation where you just don't feel like you belong? You feel out of it? Uh, maybe it was uh, that first time you stepped into the dining commons when you're in college. You're not the extrovert that everybody else is. And you just kind of went, where am I going to sit? And the fear overwhelmed you. You wondered who would like you, who would accept you, who would take you in. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was another space, a new job or a roommate. You're, you're wondering whether they will like you for who you are. Can I just tell you that Jesus selected the greatest group of misfits to be his those who were on the outskirts of their society he chose them intentionally now don't be offended by the word misfits because we're all misfits friends even as even if you think you're as cool as ice you are a misfit today and he said to them come follow me come follow me i choose you i choose you isn't that a crazy thought? That the, the creator of the universe, who could do whatever he wanted, his life purpose was to choose you and to come for you. Can you imagine Matthew sitting in, the, in his tax collector booth? And Jesus says to him, I want you. Uh, now, Matthew was probably fairly rich, as the chosen have kind of portrayed uh, for us. But he still probably looked around and went, me? You want me? I mean, think about that. What a gift to belong to the maker and creator of heaven and earth. These Philippians knew what it was like to not belong. If you take a journey back into Acts, we're not going to go there today, but you have Lydia, uh, the, the, uh, the person who kind of probably bankrolled maybe much of the Philippian church, at least initially, the jailer and whom... Uh, Paul was in jail with, and his family, and then this girl who was under demonic rule, who was being used, abused by those who were holding her. This was the motley crew that became this Philippian church. I mean, to belong, friends. Nobody, 
Nobody doesn't want to belong. That's why people join gangs, do things that they probably don't want to do initially, and then find a fall, fall into patterns and behaviors that are un, unbecoming of any human in some cases. But Jesus says he, Jesus' gift is that of you belonging. Then Paul's prompter of Jesus' gift is love. Sharing his love. You know, think about the value of love and to be truly loved unconditionally. And that God pursues you with that love, that you don't have to hide. As Kathy already said this morning, even if you try, he already knows. But he wants you to be revealing to him because revealing is part of the healing in your life. It's part of becoming all that he wants you to be. Love liberated the young woman in Acts chapter 16 who became part of the Philippian church. They understood the dimension of love. When Paul turned around and healed her, that was a dimension of God's love in that little girl. Paul's prompter of Jesus' gift is the Holy Spirit. So what about you? If you follow Jesus, what has the gift of the Holy Spirit been to you this week? Right? How has the Holy Spirit guided you? Without Jesus' gift of the Spirit, the life, the life in the Spirit is impossible. Now, that may seem like redundancy, but we often may not think through that very much. That without the Holy Spirit, the life and power of the whole living in the Holy Spirit is impossible. Paul, the Philippians, uh, wants them to remember their life that was spiritless prior to Jesus. Last week, I was coming from my vehicle in this parking lot and picked up a piece of trash on the way in. I looked at the folded piece of trash and, that was left, and it was a cannabis gummy container, uh, right? Uh, the very ones that oftentimes uh, young moms and dads are leaving often for their little kids and have caused some dangerous situations for them. But what goes to mind is that we, uh, like that uh, gummy container, we can, we can be looking for an alternative way of living, a, 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 a spirit of the age, if you will, not a Holy Spirit-driven life. Uh, we can want to find ourselves in there. And, and Paul says, wait a second, do you remember the Spirit? The, the, the Holy Spirit is our guide, our power, our counselor in this life. Paul asked them if they have found a common life in the Spirit. Have you? Have you today? Any comfort from being connected to the Holy Spirit? And then he leads with this Paul's prompters of Jesus' gift with the last one is affection and care. And you might say, well, there's a lot of redundancy in Paul. Yeah, there tends to be a lot of redundancy because he wants to press the pen and make sure that you understand. But this idea of the affection of Christ coming for you, the love of Christ coming for you, taking care of you in all of his tenderness and all of his compassion and all of his care, he wants you to understand that, and he wants the Philippians then to understand it. But he also wants you to remember Jesus' invitation. Jesus' invitation. Jesus said it this way. Then he said to all of them in Luke 9, 23 and 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Uh, Paul says it this way, phrased in his pen and in, by, guided by the Holy Spirit, then make my joy 
complete by being like-minded. He's talking about talking to Philippian believers who follow Jesus, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in of, and one of mind. Do nothing out of self-ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of the interests of others in your relationships with, another, with one another. Have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. He is driving at this idea that you need to have the same mind as Christ to have a life in Christ. So Paul's admonition to the invitation of Jesus that has come to them is be like-minded, be like-minded. Paul is saying you need to remember that the, remember the kingdom's life is the king's life. It's not your life. He's prescribed or conscripted, if you will, you into a life that is truly life. And it's an ethic he calls us to. Not one we can dodge in and out of or take as we wish and we want. This is being like-minded in life. And as we are going to find out, he repeats himself at the end, be of one mind there are several locations throughout the letter that Paul wants them to think collectively. Let me point this out, why thinking in Philippians is so vitally important. You're not going to see it on the screen, but you will hear it. In, ver- in chapter 3, verse 15, he s- talks about those who think differently. He is wanting to grab your mind. In 3.19, those whose minds are set on earthly things, he pleads with Eudoa and Sinti to be reconciled by calling on them to be of the same mind in, verses, in chapter 4, verses 2. Twice he uses this word when he commends his friends to be renewed in their concern for each other and the realization that they, that they were concerned in four, chapter 4, verse 10. There are many occasions of which he wants your mind to be as his. Now, let me bring a clarification. So when Paul calls his friends to think the same thing or be like-minded, is he ask, he's not asking them to have the same thoughts or feelings about everything. That's not what he's asking them. He's asking them to be in unity of together. Not to ditto one another, but understand the cause of Christ and the call of the kingdom in their lives. Uh, Paul is not squelching any human creativity or co-creativity with him, ever. And I know that's vitally important in our age and our day. Yet at the same time, he calls us not to think, think so individually that we separate ourselves from the community of faith in which we've said we're committed to be about, and the purpose of which he has called us to be about. We, what we know from before is that the mind, our thoughts, lead to emotions leading to actions, but it's built on a belief, and what Paul is attempting to do is to remind these Philippians and remind us today, what is your foundation? What have you built on? He wants, us, wants you to understand that this gift that Christ has given to you freely is something that you build on, not just pass by. That you continually come back to what the foundation and the fundamentals are all about. Do you remember? Do you remember? See, there are over 10 times throughout the book, throughout the letter, the manuscripts to the Philippians that 
he talks about the mind. The mind being of one, like-minded, or not to be distracted or distorted into the world around them. He's asking them. This is so vital to us. Uh, We're reminded of Romans chapter 12, right? Where he calls us not only to give our bodies, but also to give our minds. It's the transforming of our minds for his greater good and his worship. Paul's admonition is not only to be like-minded, but be of the same love. And when he's talking about the same love here, he is talking about a relational love that not only comes down from the Father, but goes out to one another. This koinonia love that sees everyone, sees people's concern and needs and meets them as they can. Uh, John tells us this, which I think summarizes it well. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. It's love that is sacrificial, that gives of oneself. And it shares with others and more specifically, members of those in the community of faith around them. Then he, again, Paul's admonition of this invitation of Jesus is to be of one spirit. Uh, Let me just kind of double down on this a little bit. We're not talking about the spirit of the age. Uh, Jesus was not talking about the spirit of the age either. He is talking about the spirit of the living God within and amongst them. We can be spiritual. Have you heard this? We can be spiritual, but not be filled with the Spirit. You've probably talked to a lot of people, I'm spiritual. Yeah, but are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Why do I say that? Well, one, it's a common thread, and we kind of feel off kilter when somebody says, oh, oh yeah, you are spiritual. Well, there is a vast difference between those in our world who are spiritual, because we all are, by the way, because of the way we're made. But there's a, there's a calling on our lives to be filled with the Spirit as fellow followers of Jesus, but as people who are made in His image. In Acts, we see over and over again that people accepted the message of Jesus. They, they went, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus was, uh, was God and that He died on the cross for my sins and that He, was, he rose from the grave and we have an empty tomb. But then they would, they would come back with this question, were you and are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Why would they ask that? Because it's necessary for the life of Christ. And Paul is presenting to the Philippians and us today is you can, you can say you're spiritual all day long. But the question really remains for those who want to be and desire to be followers of Jesus, are you filled with the Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit? Because one filled with the Spirit has the ability to walk in the Spirit. Paul's admonition of Jesus' invitation is, again, I'm repeating myself because Paul repeats himself to be of one mind. He wants the community to to relegate the individuality of, of thinking about the kingdom to community. Doesn't mean the creativity's gone. I was in a meeting yesterday where 
we were all of one mind about what, where and what we wanted to see happen. But the creativity in the individuals were expressed and we then were able to go, oh, that's a be- those are beautiful ideas. Those are great thoughts. And then begin to fold them in, asking the Holy Spirit and the Lord to give us guidance on, Lord, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? What are our next steps? Do you see there's a difference? When we say, oh, no. No, it's the idea of like, let's bring the ideas and let's make a difference. Let's create beachheads of the kingdom around us. And that's what Jesus is wanting to do. And that's what Paul is wanting the Philippians to do. Even in the midst of his circumstances, he's showing them that he's doing that. And he's also coming back and saying, this is what you are to be about. But Paul doesn't stop there. He says, remember Jesus' practice. Remember Jesus' practice. We've already read a piece of scripture that kind of alludes to this, but listen to this. In Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man, this is Jesus' words, friends, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, right? And to give his life as a ransom for many. That is Jesus' practice. He came to redeem the world around him. He didn't come to be served, but he came to give. He came to give away. In Paul, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. A servant or doulos. Uh, could even be slave in some versions. Being made in human likeness and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Paul Paul's is leading us and leading the Philippians then as they read it in the community. He's leading us to a point where we can't turn back almost. He's revealing to us what our Messiah, if we call Jesus our Lord and Savior, our Messiah, he's leading us to the life of the kingdom. He's leading us into this understanding that we need to imitate by starting with our minds the actions of Jesus around us. But let's, let's take Paul's poem. And whether Paul wrote the poem, I'm going to attribute it to Paul because that's what we just read there in, in Philippians 2. Uh, he says, Paul's poem reminds us that Jesus became a servant. I, I don't know what you th- how you think about Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, but they're not like us. Jesus became one like us, but it is vastly clear that he is distinctively different. Even if you struggle with uh, the divine and human, you realize quickly, if you read the Gospels, that he became a servant to those around him. First to his heavenly father, and then to everyone around him. As he healed them, he spoke truth to them, he liberated them, he became a servant to bring about the liberation that he was moving toward, his purpose in life. He liberated them. His servanthood, 
It should just blow us away. It should make us, this whole poem that Paul places in Philippians should make us go back and go, really? The God of the universe, the one who, one who created everything, spoke everything into being, becomes one like us, and serves his, his own created? And I can't lift a finger, right? Paul's poem reminds us that he's human. We just came through Christmas, and we are reminded that Jesus was born through a virgin Mary. He was human. He bled and died for us, that he was human. I'm sure that he probably stubbed his toe, and as he was working his craft with uh, his dad or around those, that he probably hurt himself in some ways. I mean, he bled, not only at the end, but he probably bled other times. 1 John 14 reminds us, or not 1 John, John 1.14 reminds us, the word became flesh and, his dwell, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I mean, John's saying, I, I saw him. I, I saw him. I mean, he, he was amongst us. You know that. He became human. But this is the driving force. This is, uh, I think, the really uh, the pivotal point. One can become a servant. Uh, one can become, God can become a human, but God became, or Jesus became, obedient, an obedient, obedient in suffering. Sorry, it should be obedient in suffering. The privilege, the partnership privilege Jesus signed up for. Now think about this was not to get, but was to give. Uh, To live out the love that redefined the world. He came to to give, obedient to suffering. Jesus bled and died for us. He withdrew, uh, in Luke 22, it says, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. We're, We're talking about Mount of Olives right now. Knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing... Are you getting it? In his humanity, he says, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. creator of the universe. Paul is trying to tell the Philippians and he's trying to convey to us that circumstances won't be perfect. That there will be stress in our lives. There will be situations but but you must have the same mind of Jesus. You must have the mindset of Christ who knew what was before him and yet endured the cross and gave us an empty grave. That's not just a life for him only. We can't go to the cross. We can't go to the empty grave. My point is a life of suffering, a life of living for him will not be easy street. Yesterday, the leadership team, we saw a video. Maybe some of you have seen this video of Carol Lawton, who is the Duke uh, girls basketball coach, do a, uh, do a little speech to her basketball group. And basically, she said this. My job is to teach you to do hard better. 
My job is to, make, to teach you to do hard better because life is hard and anything worth pursuing is going to be hard. And so, parents, are you here ready for this? When I, she said, when we see that you're doing probably basketball drills better, we're going to make it harder. Why? Because we want to train you not for the basketball court, but for life. This is what Paul is telling us. This is what Paul is trying to convey to us, and yet many of us shrink back from the, the opportunity to have the mind of Christ to live through that. What did Jesus' obedience to death on a cross get him? What was his reward? Philippians 2 says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That name, that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, while you will not get that reward, you will, if you persevere, will get the reward of eternity with Christ. An eternity that is life, it is the reward he lived to give to you. Life lived with our creator and maker for all eternity. Yeah, the question is, and I want to come back to this, Paul stresses that it's a mindset we must have about living in this life. So how do we have this mindset quickly? How do we develop, uh, developing the mindset of, of Christ or growing our minds I want you to grab your Connect card. If you haven't got one, there's one in the pew before you. Put your name at the top on the front side of it. Please do that. Please do that. So how do we develop the mindset of Christ? Time. Time is how we develop the mindset of Christ. Time. Time with Jesus. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we had uh, Pastor Thomas Ramundo with us. Can anybody tell me what he talked about when he was with us? Prayer, prayer, absolutely. We need to spend time with Jesus. Now, let me give you a definition of, a little uh, expanded version of the definition of prayer. Prayer is not just asking from God. Prayer is spending time with God. That means there are moments when you're silent, there are moments when you speak, there are there are more moments that you don't ask for what you need. He wants you to ask, but there are probably more moments as you develop the muscle of prayer where you're not asking for God to give you stuff, but you're just desirous and hungry to spend time with him, time with God. Uh, so let me ask this question. Let me ask this. Oh, oh, this is really cool. Uh, last week, sorry about that. Last week, there, we, I had a conversation with Brendan Howard. He's taking classes at WCC, and I asked him, I said, what classes are you taking? He said, nonverbal communication. Nonverbal communication. Isn't that incredible? We, we speak volumes with our bodies, with our faces. You know, that's why you know, we often talk about that. But nonverbal communication. Now think about this. If you're thinking about spending time with God in nonverbal non you know, non communication, what does that look like? It means, you know, it's, I mean, if you were to spend it with, with, uh, in relationship, like if I were to be with Kathy, <clears throat> excuse me, if I were with Kathy, and early in our dating relationship, we couldn't stop talking. 
right? I mean, it's just this constant verbal back and forth, getting to know one another. But there was a, there was a point and there is points where the, the verbal stops and what happens? Do we move out of the room? Do we not want to be near them? Um, it, and it's not just the time you want to turn on the TV and watch something. No, some of the, some of the, some of the just wonderful moments are when we spend space together. Do you hear what I'm saying? God wants to spend time with you. He wants you to have the mind of Christ so that in those moments, like Brother Lawrence in practicing, uh, practicing the presence, that you are constantly, you're learning to, uh, to converse. You're learning to give him your presence, your mind. That's probably... For me, that's more as much about prayer as the asking. He wants you to ask, but he wants you to be present with him. So with Jesus, time, so what are you going to do? On your Connect card, uh, I don't know how your prayer life is, how you're spending time with Jesus is, but write a note. How are you going to improve your time with Jesus starting this week? See, we all can. It may just be another minute. It may be another two minutes, and it's not asking for anything, but just setting with Jesus. My thinking of, Jesus, I'm here. Jesus, I'm here. Jesus, I'm here. And over a period of time, he will respond. How are you going to do that? Time in God's word. Can I tell you what I'm doing this year as an aspect of my growth in, uh, in this area of Bible reading? While I do a fair amount or a lot of Bible reading because of my vocation, this is separate from there. I'm reading through the Bible once again, but I'm doing it chronologically. I'm doing it chronologically. I want to I read, in fact, I would like to read through the Bible in less than one year. So I have goals. Every day I read, because I follow a plan, I read two days worth. I read two days worth. Now, I'm not saying that should be for you, but I'm just saying that I'm in with you. That I desire that you grow in the knowledge and your, and your reading of God's word. Now, for some of us, I get it. You're gonna go, I, I don't read that well. I understand. There are a tremendous amount of apps out there that read it to you. But the point is, in those moments while it's being read to you, that you need to be attentive to it. Maybe having the text in front of you. We need to spend more time with God's word so we know what our beliefs are and what God has said about himself. Beliefs inform our thoughts. Beliefs inform our thoughts. Psalm 1 and Psalm 119 speak volumes, as of do other passages of scripture, about how wise people spend their time. Wise followers of God spend their time. The last, uh, next thing is we need to spend time with community. We need to spend time with community. How do we have the mindset of Christ when we are in isolation or we do things solo or individual or with the same group of people only all the time? We get the same messages all the time, right? My challenge to you in this new season of community groups would be uh, if it's possible, if you desire, that you might seek out a, a new community group or, or maybe create a band, uh, or try a different group, or, or just to be with group. Maybe you're not with a community group because being in God's word with a community adds a whole other dimension 
and development to our mindset and living for God. Lastly, lastly, so I would ask you just to mark, if you're interested in small groups, there, you can do it back there, but just mark that on your card. Lastly, and you will be kind of surprised about this, but Paul encourages us in this, that we need to time doing ministry. We need to spend time doing ministry. And I would even go so far, I mean, you can do ministry and mission, but I think that we need to spend time doing ministry and mission with other community people in order to gain a greater understanding of what God is doing. So we have a mind of Christ and how he's working through it, whether that's in kids' zone, whether that's on the worship team, whether that's on a connection team, I mean, hospitality team. We have a lot of teams and a lot of different facets of those teams that are working and do ministry amongst us. But if we're going to have the mind of Christ that lives the life of Christ through us, we need to be in these areas. We need to be working. So what are you going to do? What are you actively going to participate? Not go to something, but be, be, take the opportunity to be responsible in helping something grow, something develop. You see how that works? Well, as we close this time, I want to uh, close in a time of prayer. I want to close in a time of prayer that we would take these, these actions, uh, maybe one of them or a couple of them or maybe all of them. I don't know. I think that might be a bit much for most of us. But that we would take one or two of these and we would, we would take steps so that we would have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for Paul's uh, pen that, that pushes us in our understanding of what it means to live for Christ, in our world that is, uh, is often stress-averse uh, and in, in situations, Paul pushes us to understand that it's not in only in the sunny days that we grow, but it's actually maybe in the stormy days that we grow the most. And he challenges us, Lord, thank you for this, to have the mind of Christ to be able to live for and live in Jesus to see the kingdom come. That's what we pray, Lord. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Ipsy or wherever we live as it is in heaven. Bring about your kingdom in and through us as we live for you. Remind us that we are to be imitators of the one we follow, Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.